You're listening to Podcast by Committee, produced by Starting Five Productions. And now, here's Andrew and Max Brill. Thank you, Mason, for the introduction, and welcome back to Podcast by Committee. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew Brill. And I'm Max Brill. Max, it seems strange to be talking about an event that usually takes place in, uh, I guess, April. But here it is taking place in November when it's cold and rainy here in New York. But 19 months after the last one, the Masters is underway and there is a tiger on the prowl. I'm going to be honest, I probably watched more golf today than I have the entire rest of my life combined because I happen to live with two golf junkies, uh, Dan and Jack, if you're listening to this. I'm a little concerned about you, but we could talk about that later. It's definitely a, uh, an interesting sport to watch because there's just not a lot going on all the time. But as somebody who plays golf, not well, but who plays, it's so cool to just watch these guys make shot after shot. And my personal favorite golfer, Bryson DeChambeau, who's really an analytics golfer, which I guess is very on brand for me, ended up minus one today after just a, a horrific front nine for him and uh, i'm looking forward to what the rest of the weekend is going to hold hey look he's tied for 21st he's actually two under so uh, for the tournament uh so far after day one i think i think he birdied 18 that's why i i I missed the birdie on 18 oh you know then you should have been watching more golf so he's two under he's tied for 21st there's still you know it's obviously after day one which isn't even complete because there was a three-hour rain delay i mean if you get delayed 19 months and then you have a three-hour rain delay of course you're gonna have some uh some t- guys that have to finish up round one but uh he's not one of them justin thomas is he's minus five through only 10 holes so paul casey's your leader in the clubhouse at minus seven justin thomas the American uh, through ten, he's five under. So there's a you know if he continues to golf well, he could actually take over the lead after round one, which isn't complete yet. But Tiger Woods, Max, his best round at a Masters in quite some time, his first bogey-free round at the Masters since 2009, and it's only the second time he's broken 70 in an opening round at the Masters. So. This is his time. He, he likes that green jacket. He's won five of them. He's looking to take another one home. I don't think anybody has ever put the Masters jacket on themselves, but Tiger is looking to do that for the first time this year. And it would really be something because he would get his sixth and that would tie him for the most all time with the indomitable Jack Nicklaus. You know, the Masters is always fun to watch. And I never I never sit down like you did today and watch some golf. I never sit down and watch, you know, round one or round two. I'll, I'll get into it on the weekend after the cut. It's just too many people, too many. There's a bunch of stories, and some of the stories are great. But, you know, I'll get into it this weekend. And it, it just seems so strange because you, you go through March Madness, the basketball tournament, and you know that cha- that championship is on Monday and the Masters starts on that Thursday, and Jim Nance goes from one to the other, and uh, he, that didn't happen this year. So, you know, 19 months later, we're 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 on the golf course, not you and I, but the golfers are on the golf course in Augusta. Probably, probably a good thing that we're not there. Honestly, I don't think people would be safe. There aren't we many people there. Course. They said there's only about well, but, 100 but spectators. You, we would find them, Dad. We would find them. <laughs> Our balls would find them. Yo, without question. Although I guess there was a somebody hit a ball today and they had to send out a, a search party to find it. So when that you was have, Bryson. yeah, when you have fewer fans, that's what's going to happen. You know, people can't help to point out where the ball is. So it's uh, it's one of those things where you know, 
not no fans in the stands and uh, or no fans on the course, I should say. But that does cut down on the wear and tear on that course after the Masters is over for sure. The the weather had been golfing weather here for the last oh at least a week, but now. The, the, the weather has changed. It's rainy, it's getting cold, and it's going down to the 40s. So it's definitely not golf weather, and it's definitely not baseball weather. But, Max, there's a, a warm feeling here in New York with one team that has a new owner. And we, we you know, the, the, the ink was, was dried. It was the money changed hands last week. But this week was the introductory press conference. And there seems to be, a, a, right off the bat, a different air around the Mets. I've never been more excited for a press conference from an owner. Well, that's mostly because I've never been excited for a press conference from an owner ever as a, as a Mets fan. Uh, but Steve You've Cohen only had one owner since you're a Mets fan. <laughs> yeah. And well, everyone knows how I feel about them, but Steve Cohen really impressed me in that press conference because he basically was like, I will be the ideal owner. I will open my pocket, I will hire smart people, and I will get the hell out of the way, which is what we've been begging for for the last, since I've been born, 22 years. The Will Ponds, you know, Fred was a good owner. Jeff, for some reason, thinks that he is a baseball savant and likes to meddle in the Mets baseball operations. But now that he is out of the picture, it looks like the Mets will be able to finally play as though they are a big market team, not only in free agency and the player aspect of it, but in the personnel aspect of it as well. They'll be able to hire more smart people, expand their analytics department, get more into the sports science of things, and really climb the list of analytical teams that are in baseball right now. And it's interesting, you, you mentioned the players, and I, I'd like to hear from more of them. We've heard from a few. Noah Syndergaard, if you go and look at his Twitter page, he's changed the, the front of his Twitter page. It reads, Dear Steve Cohen, hi, I'm Noah, as if he didn't know. He's going to be signing his paycheck now. Some people call me Thor. I'm a Met working out in Florida, and I just want to win for the Mets fans just like you. You know, that, that stuff wasn't going on when the Wilpons owned the Mets. It just, you know, that wasn't happening. And Marcus Stroman, and I know you're not a big fan of his, but he tweeted out something to the effect of, Sir, I can't wait to play for you. Those are players. Those aren't fans. Those are players who were looking forward to working for this guy and knowing that, he wants to win just as bad as they do. Now, it must have been strange if they didn't feel that way under the previous owner because it's hard to play the game that you love knowing that, look, the owner doesn't care if I win or lose or isn't going to give me the resources to win the way we need to win. I think part of it is that never before has Queens been a free agent destination. Right, People didn't dream of going to the Mets like they dream of going to the Yankees. But now, with the new ownership, I, I think it sort of is a destination. And let us not discount the fact that Steve Cohen is a Twitter god. I don't know if you've seen his Twitter account. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Uh, he, <laughs> he doesn't does really know how humor. to use the space bar or period correctly yet on Twitter. A lot of people on Twitter don't know how to do that. <laughs> it's, it's so it's so funny. Like he literally just roasts people. Yesterday or the day before, somebody tweeted something about a, a reporter who covers the Mets, and 
uh, was like, you know, you know, said something about her. And then Steve Cohen was like, she might know 10% of what's going on, maybe less. And then today he reply tweeted to somebody who tweeted at him. I've seen better when it was like a, a joke video of someone pitching. He's just like, like he's a, seems like a congenial guy. He seems like a genuine guy. And the Mets have really been missing that in the ownership group. Transparency is one of the things I think a lot of people value as baseball fans. And Stevie has that. And, and we're seeing it now from not only the fans, but the players, Marcus Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, like you mentioned, these are going to be starters for the New York Mets. They're going to be big pieces in 2021. And they've expressed their interest in playing for the Mets. I've never before seen a player talk about how much they want to play for a certain owner. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. And he, he has, if you listen to his press conferences, you and I both did, he just wants to win. And he's put a time frame on it. He said, look, if I don't win in the next three to five years, I'm going to be disappointed. So that's got Met fans all hyped up saying, we could win in the next three to five years, or that's what he's aiming for at least. And then you you add on top of that the, the fact that he talked about not only the analytics increasing, the scouting increasing, the minor leagues set up for sustained success. So I think that under his leadership and look he is all about he he talked about his own company and how he tries to get people to grow from within they have a program where they teach guys how to do what he wants them to do and once they're they they get it they're in if they don't get it they're gone just the way he wants the Mets to be run. He would look, we, we want to be able to build our farm system. And so when one guy gets hurt or one guy, or it's time for another guy to move on, we have the assets to just put someone else in place. Look, the Dodgers are a perfect example. Justin Turner is a free agent and I, the Dodgers are probably not going to resign him because they don't need to, because they have other guys that can step into that third base role and pick up right where he left off, maybe not right where he left off, but be just as productive as Justin Turner. And Justin Turner is a, a leader in the clubhouse, and I don't know if you get that, but that's something that also has to be learned. Yeah, I think one of the other things that's a met storyline this week is Jacob deGrom finishing third in the Cy Young voting. Uh, we've had a bunch of award announcements this week, and I, I'm going to need a recount for the NL Cy Young Award. I think that you know, with everything going on in this country, it's only appropriate that we have a recount for that because he's won two in a row. I don't really accept the results that he's a third place Cy Young finisher now. Uh, so, you know, congrats to Trevor Bauer, I guess, but we'll see if the results hold up. That's free agent Trevor Bauer, who could be, could be if the pocketbook is open, could be pitching alongside Jacob DeGrom, or at least in the same rotation. But uh, look, I, yeah, I, I, I'm a huge Jacob deGrom guy. I'm a huge Jacob deGrom fan. But when you look at the numbers, and it, it would appear that Trevor Bauer deserved this one. Without a doubt, he deserved it. I, 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 it just sucks for me as a Mets fan, as a deGrom apologist, to see someone else win it. Because now people might say that deGrom isn't the best pitcher on earth, which is categorically incorrect. But, and that's not really a matter of opinion. Like People think that you can't have opinions about... You, you Like, this can't be a fact, right? No, but it is a fact that he's the best. 
if you if you have a problem with that, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, email, whatever you like. Uh, I'd be more than happy to teach you, you know, the gospel of Jacob deGrom. But uh, in the AL, a guy who I really like, Shane Bieber, was the unanimous Cy Young Award winner. And rightfully so, because there was not a single pitcher on earth as dominant as him in 2020. No, not at all. I think that Shane Bieber certainly deserved it. He won it. And without question. And it, look, the Cy Young Award, when, when you, you have to be perfect, almost. You have to make almost no mistakes. When you look at, you know, Trevor Bauer, his... ERA this year was ridiculous, 1.7-something. It was crazy. So 1.73 his ERA. So, look, that's that's really darn low. And when Jacob deGrom won very few games, he had a ridiculous ERA, and he did it for two seasons in a row, which is, you know, very, very rare. But Trevor Bauer had his best season ever, and we'll see where he goes from there but he's betting on himself he he had said that he's going to sign a series of one year deals and now he's backtracked a little saying his agent must have spoken to him and said you know maybe we should sign a longer term deal and he he is open to a longer term deal but look Bieber had a, an unbelievable season also so i you know congratulations to Bauer and Bieber the two Bs we'll, we'll see what happens next season over 162 games this was a weird one. This was a, a weird season. And if you got off to a really good start, you had a good chance of doing well. And, and both these guys really did. Yeah, I think both of them can sustain their success in 2020. I don't know that either of them will necessarily pitch to an ERA below two. But the, the, these guys aren't flukes. Like, Bapper's been around. He has a good pedigree. He's been a successful pitcher before. He's launched the balls over the center field fence. Uh, maybe that's not a positive, but... <laughs> Bieber too. I mean, Bieber didn't really have the kind of pitching pedigree that Trevor Bauer did, and he wasn't a super highly touted prospect coming up. But he's just improved as he's grown, as he's gotten older, which you rarely see in the major leagues. This much improvement at that high of a level. He's only been in the league three years now. Trevor Bauer's thirty years old, and when you look at Shane Bieber, he's he's a youngster compared to to that. He's 26 or he's 25 he'll be 26 for the 2021 season but you know a 163 ERA 12 game starts he was a monster this year there's no no doubt about that so you know 122 strikeouts which was the most that was more than DeGrom or uh Trevor Bauer so that that was huge for him that was a, a huge year and he's he's young and and that bodes well for him and Cleveland. So if they can, you know, he's coming into what his arbitration years now, I believe. So he is. Uh, so you know, Cleveland still has a steal on their hands. A hundred percent, they do, and he's one strikeout away from five hundred. And when he gets that, I'm assuming it'll be in his first inning next year. It'll have taken him four hundred and six innings and change to get to five hundred strikeouts, which is pretty much unprecedented territory. I mean, we, we could be looking at another Jacob deGrom-esque pitcher here for the next couple of seasons. Plus, he does just such a good job of limiting the walks and, and the strikeout rates. And he's just, re, he's just really good. Like, he's a good pitcher. Heck, he could I, be I really a, enjoy watching him. He could be I, a 3,000 strikeout guy. Well, I, I, we might be getting ahead of ourselves there because he's, it's probably going to be like at least another 10 years before we get there, if not more. But he could be. The big question for these guys now is, can you stay healthy? Right, right. I mean, healthy, you know, these guys are throwing, you know, 100 plus miles an hour. And yes, health is health is the big issue. And uh, 
you know, Jacob deGrom had his had his arm issues early, and hopefully, <laughs> let's knock wood, they're out of the way. Um, but health is definitely, you know, the big, big thing. And, you know, when you when you look at starting pitching, that's what it's all about. Your best avail, your best ability is your availability. And if you can go every fi- every fifth day, well, then that that's the way it is. And that's that's one of the reasons why they are pitching fewer innings. I mean, w- when you look at Trevor Bauer, he pitched just over six innings. Uh, I think it was maybe six and a third or six and close to six and two thirds per game. Jacob Degrom is just under six innings per game. So when you look at those numbers, these guys are not going nearly as long as they used to go. No, they're not. But that's kind of the name of the game now is just making sure that you can go as deep into the game as you can. And that's why starting pitchers have become so much more valuable is because if you can get a guy who goes six innings and change, seven innings and change into a game, it limits the amount of work that your bullpen has to do, which is not to say that the bullpens are bad now. They're usually pretty good. But if you can get guys rest days, considering how much they have to pitch on other days, that's really valuable to a team. And and that's why Shane Bieber and Trevor Bauer were your Cy Youngs this year. Yeah, without a, without question. Health is the is the the big issue. Not only not only in baseball, in a lot of places. And health max in, in the NFL is taking its toll. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have four guys on the COVID list, including their starting quarterback. And that's a, a big issue for them. And look, there's a lot of teams that have issues uh this year in the NFL. And the Cowboys, when you want to talk about health, they lost another player this year. They were down to you know, starting Garrett Gilbert. And when you say, <laughs> I wouldn't blame you for saying, who, who is that? But they're back to Andy Dalton this week. And they're saying that he's going to be their quarterback going forward. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts and we'll see how long he can stay healthy. He had a little concussion issue, but that that's over. And, you know, the Cleveland Browns obviously had their starting quarterback get, have to be put on the COVID list. So health is, health is the, the big one. And, uh, Max has a bunch of good football games that are going to showcase young talent this week. And one of those is the Chargers and Dolphins and Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa. You know, those guys are picked uh, Herbert sixth, Tua fifth. So I'm excited to watch that one this week. I'm excited for that one, too. I think the Chargers offense, despite the two and six record, has really gotten going under Justin Herbert. And the Dolphins have been a welcome surprise in the AFC East. They are just, I mean, they're, they're going to get a wild card spot for sure. And if they keep playing well and the bills falter, maybe they could potentially win that division for the first time. And who knows how many years, but that's going to be a fun game to watch. Another fun one is going to be Josh Allen and Kyler Murray uh, starting at the same time, the cards and bills. I just mentioned the bills. They're playing excellently. They're seven and two The Cardinals five and three. Kyler has been, phenomenal this season uh, just building on an excellent rookie year from last year he's the the leading rusher for either team going into this game yeah i i'm excited to see that one also you're talking about the seventh pick from 2018 going against the number one overall this year so that that one's going to be very very exciting and look we'll see if the two of magic can continue as a starter he's two and oh and uh you know that that one's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, but we have we have a bunch of NFL questions, Max. It's time to talk to our chairman of this week's committee. All right, now we'd like to bring in ESPN's NFL insider, amongst 
other jobs that he does for ESPN, Adam Schefter. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. We know that you're extremely busy, especially around this time now. Week 9 is over. We're headed to Week 10. Yeah, it's always a busy time. You've got the regular football season being busy, and then you've got the COVID complications that are basically on the radar for everybody, so it becomes very, very very, uh, chaotic and stressful and unpredictable all across the country. That's something I wanted to ask you about. You had tweeted out about Ben Roethlisberger being in on the COVID list uh, amongst three other Pittsburgh Steelers. What does that mean exactly? Because he didn't test positive, but he's on this list. So now there's going to be a period of time, I guess, where he cannot play. Yeah, it's just what Matthew Stafford went through in Detroit last week. Basically, you got five days of negative tests. If there's five days of negative tests, then you are allowed to go play. But he was in close contact with somebody who did test positive. Uh, he was flying home from the Steelers game last week in Dallas with somebody who did test positive, and now he's in the protocols and has to be tested. They're, they're tested every day. But I say that he's eligible to play this week if he doesn't test positive again. But if he tests positive, he's out. And in the same division, Baker Mayfield also tested positive last week and was out. They were on by, and now they have the same deal. Is it going to be the same protocol for the, the Browns and Baker? Well, the, the only difference there is that uh, Baker is eligible to come off the list sooner, as early as Wednesday. And I don't know that it was one of his teammates. And if it was last week, he'd be past it. So the Browns have more time flexibility than the Steelers. Uh, ben, if he has one failed test here, he's done for the week, and he'll be done for probably a couple of weeks. So it becomes more of an issue for the time. Now, putting COVID aside for a second, the Bucks and the Saints, Monday night, I was looking forward to this, uh, this matchup, and it was completely one-sided. Did you see that coming? And uh, what's going on in Tampa after that game? I would assume they, you know, they, they always say in football, next game, and I would assume they're putting that one behind them. Oh, you listen, it was not what the Buccaneers wanted. They came out and got beat. They had an NFL record, five rushing attempts in that game. No team has ever had fewer than five. You don't run the ball, means that you're passing every down, means the opposing defensive line is teeing off, means your offensive line is in trouble, means you're in trouble. That's exactly what happened the other night. Obviously, it was a uh, bad experience for that team, not the way that they wanted to go. I wanted to ask you about Cam Newton in New England, obviously beating the Jets, and that's something that everyone's done this season. But he came back and uh, had a comeback victory finally. He's something like 1-38 in when trailing by double digits in the fourth quarter, but was able to lead his team back. And after all he said about getting on himself and having to play better, does this kind of put New England in a better light, or do you say, well, it was the Jets, they should have come back and won? Well, they won a game. It's one game. It's a Monday night. Uh, they were able to come back and win, and that puts them back on track right now for the time being. But they still got half the season. They still have some offensive issues. Cam still has to play better. They still have to win more. There's still work to do. It's early. It's one win. Uh, obviously, they would have received a lot of criticism and ridicule if they had lost to the Jets, and they became the first team this season. But they, they were able to persevere. Adam, I want to shift to the other side of the ball in that game with the Jets and the quarterback carousel, Joe Flacco doing it well early and then not so much later. But it seemed like maybe Sam Darnold could have been the issue there. And as we go into this next draft now, Trevor Lawrence might be the solution there. I just want to know what you've heard from anybody around the Jets about if they're looking forward or if they're just trying to figure it out now. 
Well, again, I think that if you get the number one pick in the draft, you're taking Trevor Lawrence. And that's no reflection of Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold is a good quarterback. I really do. I think he's got a bright future still. But it's a situation where Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect to come out of the draft since Andrew Luck. Everybody wants him. And so if you can get Andrew Luck, if you can get a quarterback like Andrew Luck and Trevor, you go do that. that. That's not a reflection of Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, again, I think still can play in this league, but uh, they are in position. And by the way, they they played well enough that if they play like that going forward, the Jets on Monday night, they'll win a game or two. And, and this number one pick uh, will not be something that's a foregone conclusion. And then the other team in New York, my favorite team, the New York Giants, Daniel Jones has looked much better than he had last season and, and at the start of the season. But if we look at his stats compared to Eli, he has 34 touchdowns and 41 turnovers in his first 22 games. Eli had 30 touchdowns and 38 turnovers in his first two seasons. So there's some similarity there. Do you, do you have any idea about what might happen if the Giants get a high pick in the draft? Again, I think as a general rule, if you have the number one pick, you're taking Trevor Lawrence no matter who your quarterback is. That That's what I believe. Uh, Houston Texans might not. They just signed Deshaun Watson to a long-term contract. But uh, short of that, just about any team, I think, has to take Trevor Lawrence. Giants are still a long ways off. Um, they, they believe Daniel Jones also can grow into the type of quarterback they want him to be. Played turnover-free football on Sunday against Washington, which is exactly what they're looking for. And if he can do, do that – and have a chance to grow into a pretty good quarterback. But, again, he, he starts to show more as the Sam Donald, and uh, they need to win more, both teams. Going to, moving to the Cowboys, they named Andy Dalton their, I guess, their starter moving forward, moving away from Garrett Gilbert after the going with Garrett Gilbert. And I know Andy Dalton had the, the concussion problem. But do, do you see, you know, Dallas being able to do anything with the Andy Dalton going forward? Well, Dallas has got a lot of problems not beyond its quarterback. The offensive line that was the strength of the team is depleted due to injury. The defense has been terrible this year. Uh, they've got a lot of things. I, I This doesn't look like it's going to be Dallas' season. Now, again, can you turn it around and be respectable and, and, and string together some wins? I think that's what they're trying to do. I, I don't think anybody looks at Dallas right now as a viable playoff contender today. Now, if they can change that, good for them. But so far, no. I want to ask you also about the the, the young kids. Uh, this is the weekend of the, those young kids. You got uh, Herbert going up against Tua. That's a five and a fifth pick and the sixth pick. Then last year's number seven, Jared Allen against Kyler Murray. So that's we're the number one pick overall. So it's going to be a fun weekend when it comes to the new, young, exciting quarterbacks. Yeah, no, those are two of the best young quarterbacks in the game. Kyler Murray's tremendous. Justin Herbert is an all-star. Love that guy, Tua. Had a great showing on Sunday against Arizona. And it looks like the NFL is in great hands with some of the great young quarterbacks in the game. Yeah, I said Jared Allen. I meant Josh Allen. But that's uh, going to be a lot of fun, those uh, those guys, uh, this weekend, of course. And, uh, Adam, I know you have a, a cardboard cutout at Michigan Stadium. As a Michigan guy myself, I just wanted to get your personal opinion on, on what's going on in Ann Arbor because we're all very worried. Worried? Uh, you said worried? Worried, maybe disappointed is a better word. Yeah. Well, the season has not started. This isn't a regular season. I mean, nothing this year has been normal. Uh, some of the results are not normal. It was a very disappointing loss at Michigan at to Michigan State, disappointing loss to Indiana. I, I, I guess I would look at it like this year has 
put some things into perspective. Yes, Michigan's football team has not performed the way that um, many of us would like so far. I still want to think and hope and believe that they'll be able to turn it around. And again, it's been a very strange season. So um, I'm not going to get too worried <laughs> about them so far. Uh, my worries are with other things right now rather than the Michigan football team, but I do hope that they start showing signs of improvement. I know you tweeted out about Tack McKinley getting re- released by the Falcons. I know they, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Are, are teams just moving towards you know, discipline now? They're like, look, I'm not taking your crap any longer. If you either play by our rules or we're going to either release you or discipline you, a la Golden Tate, who did the same thing. But is that the, what's going on in the NFL now? It's like, look, it's our, it's our team, and you play by our rules. They wanted to attack him. They decided to release him. Uh, the Giants weren't getting what they wanted at Golden Tate. They left him home. Uh, that that that's not new now. That that's gone on for years and years and years, and always will. Um, it's the coaches and general managers that run the team. They make the decisions that are in their best interest, and and they go from there. But I'm, Tack McKinley is no different than anybody else that's that's been through similar experiences before. Uh, one last question, Adam, is, you know, you, you clearly have your pulse on everything NFL. I know you've done some work with the NBA and, and you're trying to branch out. But if, if like Max is a college student, but you're, if you're a student or just someone trying to start out in this business, what advice would you give someone to you know, start out to get where you are today? Well, those are the topics I love talking about with students, because uh, I think those are the things that they really care about. Um, and to me, whether you're starting out and want to go into broadcasting or reporting or investing or lawyering or being a police officer, whatever it is, the principles are still the same. It's working hard, treating people right, being prepared, doing the right thing, um, taking care of your business the right way, making yourself indispensable. I don't care what field you go into. The principles are the same for anybody trying to establish him or herself in any line of work. The principles do not change. And you have to commit yourself to something that you care about. You have to attack it with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind, which is an expression that I know that Michigan fans know about. And, and you have to try to make it such that people respect you, appreciate you, trust you and are willing to move forward with you. Adam, one of the most respected and appreciated people in all of sports, for sure. We want to thank you for taking the time and, and go blue. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Be well and stay safe. Thanks. Absolutely. You too, Adam. Thanks very much. Take care. Take care. Really cool to talk to Adam Schefter, a Michigan guy. I remember the first time that I saw him in person, we were at the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. At MIT. Uh, right? at, at MIT, yeah. And it was like, it was the end of February or beginning of March. So it was right in like NFL free agency. And uh, he actually broke the story of Des Bryant signing an extension or free agent deal or something like that while he was on stage. Like he was literally in the middle of a panel and tweeting from his phone. And everybody from the audience replied to the tweet and was like, dude, get off your phone like you're on a panel. It was pretty funny. But he's a, he's a really good guy, a, a, a Michigan guy. And, uh, you know, it was really it's just kind of cool to talk to one of the preeminent sports journalists of, of this time.
And, and I know that uh, you you asked him about Michigan, saying that you're worried, and he's like, "How can be worried about you know Michigan when you know we have so many other things to worry about?" But I know that you're you're worried in a football sense. But when you think about it, Max, COVID is is running rampant in our country, and it's taking over in some of college football. Also, Ohio State, Maryland, it's a Big Ten game that's been canceled. The Alabama LSU. Texas A&M Tennessee games those have been postponed there's been a lot of cancellations so it's it's interesting that uh, you know these games are being canceled there was a there was a big party uh, I guess down near LSU and that's led to a bunch of you know, a bunch of covid cases uh, some Alabama players and obviously some LSU players. You said it weeks ago, and you had actually texted me saying, "Oh, this is the the beginning of the end of college football." And you know, you may be right because there are a lot of cases starting to pop up. And let's let's be honest; these are kids that like to go out and have a good time. One of the things they they're there to play football, but they're also there to grow up a little bit and part of that growing up is going out having fun with friends and at this particular point in time having fun with friends is not advisable no it's not advisable dad and i've said this from the beginning which is that i don't know if we're going to make it through an entire season and that's not to say that like i want to be out here dancing on anybody's grave or anything like that like i don't want the season to be canceled But we're going through what looks like a third wave of COVID in our country. Four out of the seven games in the SEC are just canceled this week. And I don't really see a way that we come out of the next few weeks better than where we started, right? Like you look back at the decision-making process that we talked about over the summer. And the Big Ten initially chose to not play football. Then all these other conferences came out with their policies and what they were doing. The Big Ten figured that they could get enough testing and contact tracing to have a season, so they decided to start late. And now here we are, basically a month after the Big Ten has has started their season. It's not quite a month, but it's almost a month. And we're seeing the same issues pop up that we talked about in the preseason, that we talked about over the summer. Are these teams going to be able to finish the season? And is it in not only the interest of the players and the institutions, but is it in the interest of public safety? I mean, you can have a a conversation about whether these institutions are beholden to the public or whether they should even take that into consideration. I think they should. A lot of them probably only care about their bottom lines. But at the end of the day, these are student athletes who are going to go home to their communities. They're going to interact with people outside of just the football team. Like it's not only going to be the players and coaches on the field that are affected. And in some of the states in the South and some of the SEC states, Alabama, for example, Florida, for example, Those states are allowing fans into the games. And with a COVID spike, that's not going to make things any better. So I I said this, I think, I don't know, maybe in an episode in July that we did of the podcast, but the, the, the Venn diagram of people who would attend uh, a game during a pandemic and people who don't think that COVID is a big problem is one circle. (laughs) There is 100% overlap. And it's just not going to get any better until people start taking it seriously. Yeah, and look, there's 
increase in cases in all 50 states right now. And I know here in New York, they've changed the rules again uh, because things are starting to spike. And Governor Cuomo is having his daily press conferences again. So it'll give me something to watch in the middle of the day. That's almost like a, a sporting event, watching him give his daily briefing. But it, it's a problem, and it's a problem everywhere. And there's travel restrictions again. And look, it, it's not going to change for a long time. And I know that MLB came out just recently and said that they're going to have fans in 2021. Of course, there was the caveat with local government's approval. So we'll see what happens, and we'll see. Hopefully, you know, there is a supposedly a vaccine that's effective on the horizon, and hopefully we can get out of this. I'm, I'm hoping we can get out of it, too. And I just want to share one thing from uh, a couple of scientists and, and physicians uh, over the summer. They said that the biggest hurdle to completing a season in college football is actually not going to be the COVID problem itself. It's going to be contact tracing and the, the protocols that the conferences have put in place, right? Like in the Big Ten, a positive test keeps you out 21 days. So beyond the positive test, if you're contact traced and you have to quarantine, that's also a ton of time. And, you know, if you're on a football team, like you're spending all your time together, you're at practice, you're in the locker room, you're doing whatever. So if somebody tests positive, a lot of people are going to get knocked out due to contact tracing, which is just the unfortunate reality. And, and that doesn't, that's not even saying that these guys are being irresponsible. Like you can get COVID by accident. One of my friends got COVID because one of the people who lived in their building had it and they share an entryway and they must've gotten it like from touching the doorknob or something like that. Like that's not being irresponsible. That's just bad luck. But if you happen to be unlucky and you spread it to a bunch of people on the team or you're in close contact with them, they get knocked out too. So it's really just an unfortunate reality that we're living in right now. I'm hoping that the NCAA and the conferences can get this figured out because it would be nice to see the end of the season. It's always a welcome distraction, I would say, you know, when we're in the middle of the pandemic to be able to turn on the television and watch some football. But, you know, it's at the end of the day, I think it's just dealing with what we're dealing with. And can these conferences get things figured out? I hope yes, but we'll just have to wait and see. This has been another episode of Podcast by Committee with Andrew and Max Brill. Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, we're everywhere. And rate and review us on Apple while you're at it. It'll only take a couple seconds, so go on over there and give us five stars. If you want to connect with us, we're on Instagram at podcast underscore by underscore committee and Twitter at pod by committee, where you can reach out to us via email hosts at podcastbycommittee.com. Thanks again for listening to Podcast by Committee. Special thanks to today's chairman of the committee, Adam Schefter, for joining us. Thanks again to Mason Pettit for the introduction, Kevin McLeod for the music, and shout out to Hal Aaron O'Field for the graphics. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Until then, stay safe.